Hello everyone and welcome back to our Dini Malaysia Coffee Chat series. So I'm Meihua and I'm the lead for Masterclass and Circle Dialogue and also my team uh, is the one that has been bringing Coffee Chat series to all of you. Uh, this is a topic that uh, we've been meaning to talk about and uh, I was just having a discussion with with Jazz yesterday and you know we uh, I spoke to her and I said that you know Lean in Malaysia has always been meaning to talk uh, have a webinar have a coffee chat series to talk about uh, domestic violence and and I'm sure we are all aware of the violence that is happening outside um, you know with all the racism that's happening but at the same time uh, we also want to acknowledge that domestic violence is a pressing matter and also a topic that hasn't been very much discussed among uh, among everyone out there. So, yeah, and I guess this is, it's like, what a time to be alive to basically um, have all this happening right now. And, yep. and we, we want to we wanna acknowledge the fact that since the lockdown has happened, right, um, calls to women AIDS organization has spiked up, especially the hotline uh, since third week of MCO in March, it spiked up about 200 over percent. And then um, even the calls to um, the, the ministry, <coughs> sorry, uh, even the calls to ministry has also rise by about 57%, um, which is the calls to Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development. And even, uh, you know, if we look into uh, uh, globally, there are about 700% rise in the UK Online National Domestic Abuse Service. And in the US, there's a, there's a lot of news going on saying that uh, the death rate has also risen due to domestic violence uh, when the lockdown in the US happened. And, you know, so it's really not just the virus that we are worried about. We also worry about things like that where um, due to the lockdown, people's lives are in danger. And also, um, the, in, you know, if you look into the US, uh, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. And in one year, that equates to about 10 million uh, women and men. And so, you know, this, all these statistics are actually telling you that it's really something that, you know, we cannot ignore anymore. And it's something that we should um, uplift our community and really fight against this that is happening, especially uh, for the safety of the future generation as well. So uh, Leading Malaysia is very excited to actually have just Kira from WAO to actually come and talk to us about domestic violence and the things that WAO has been really doing for, um, for the community in terms of, um, you know, fighting off domestic violence. So Kiraf is a loud and proud intersectional feminist who believes that everyone can make a difference in the fight for equality through empowerment. And she also believes that it is important to champion all aspects of intersectional feminism. So she uh, focused on eradicating violence against women, uh, inculcating the practice of consent and advocating for LGBT as 
as LGBTQ and migrant rights in Malaysia. She has worked with many different communities from university students to grassroots women. So currently she's the capacity building officer at WAO and she changes people's mind one at a time. So Jaskira has prepared a very nice presentation for us where she will educate us uh, on this issue. So Jaskira, I will pass the floor to you to enlighten and also educate us. Right. Thanks so much, May. Okay, um, I know this is a really serious topic um, and it can feel a bit heavy. Um, and I'm actually quite glad that we have a smaller group of people. Um, can everybody hear me okay? If you can't, let me know. Um, and I think um, it creates a safer space. Oh, great. I see all the thumbs up. Thank you. <laughs> Um, it creates a safer space um, for everybody to ask questions that sometimes, you know, people feel uncomfortable asking um, or to ask uh, questions about a certain specific issue that, that, you know, a colleague might be facing or a friend might be facing. Um, I think May introduced me really clearly <laughs> already. Um, you can call me Kirat. Um, it's easier on the, uh, on the mouth, I feel. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to start my presentation. Um, I think there's also there's a Slido link, right, May? Well, because uh, we have such a small group, so I okay. will be able to handle it. So, uh, everyone, you can post your questions uh, by typing on Zoom, and I will manage it, so no worries. Cool. Okay, so um, I think me, uh, me and I have decided that um, you can ask questions during the presentation as well. Um, so maybe just may just prompt me when you can if there's a question. Um, I think it's important that we address uh, any question you have because um, when you ask a question, trust me, there's definitely somebody else who is thinking about asking the same question. So when you ask it, we all learn together. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I will start with um, my slides. <laughs> okay, um, hold on. Okay. All right, so um, at WAO, uh, we advocate for what we call safe communities, okay? And we really focus on what the individual can do uh, to make sure that their community is safe. Yeah, um, we come from many different communities. Um, we want people to be safe at home, safe in every community that they belong to. This can mean your, it can mean, you know, ibadah, um, where you go to pray, right? This can mean your workplace. This can also mean your LinkedIn community. This can mean public transport, the gym, everywhere. Now, why we focus on safe at home today is because home is supposed to be a space that you feel the most safe in. Home is supposed to be the place where you feel the most comfortable in. And sometimes when domestic violence occurs, that is taken away from us. And that leaves us very distressed, yeah? Because the space that we are supposed to go to, to feel safe, to feel welcome, um, is not there. Yeah, and we are all um, we are all human beings, so we need that sense of security and safety, right? So um, these are all examples of communities that we are part of, right? So the possible types of gender-based violence that people face in community is many, 
right? So it can be domestic violence, sexual harassment, uh, rape and sexual assault, lots of different ways uh, that people experience this. But today we will be focusing on domestic violence, right? Um, I'm going to share with you um, this thing at WAO that we do called 3R, okay? It's respond, recognize, and refer. Right, um, it makes it easy for us to think about what is our role um, in uh, helping someone who is going through a difficult time. Yeah, um, this doesn't mean you can only we can only use these three R's for um, for domestic violence survivors. You can use it for anyone who's going through a difficult time. Yeah, it's important um, to be remember that it's multi multi use. Okay, so recognize, you need to be able to recognize what is domestic violence. Um, we talk about it a lot, right? Um, domestic violence is bad, this is this, that, that, that. But how do you actually know that that thing that someone is doing is domestic violence, right? It's very hard to pin down. A lot of the times, people say it's masalah keluarga, kan? Uh, when it's not. Yeah, uh, domestic violence is a community issue and we need to be able to learn how to recognize it so that we can offer support and help when needed. Okay. Um, secondly, is respond. How do we uh, become an active bystander? How do we show this person that's going through this really difficult time we are here for them? Okay. And that is refer. We are not experts, correct? We are individuals in our community. What the best thing that we can do for any survivor or anyone experiencing a difficult time is to refer them to an expert. Yeah. Um, so I will also share with you today who are these experts that you can refer um, survivors to. Okay. Uh, before we continue, I will use the words survivor and client. Okay. Um, so we don't use the word victim because um, it's passive. Yeah, um, and we want to use the word survivors because our survivors are extremely strong. Um, they have overcome many, many difficult challenges uh, and um, they are not uh, passive beings, okay? So we use survivor, it's more empowering. Um, and we also use the word client because WAO provides a service. So we refer to all the people that come to us for our service as clients. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand a term or phrase that I have used, um, please let me know so I can clarify. Sometimes, you know, we all get away with ourselves and start using acronyms. Um, and I just want to be as clear as possible. Okay. Um, right. Now, let's talk about domestic violence. What does that mean? Yeah. So the definition of domestic violence is a pattern of behaviors used by one person to control somebody else, right? That is a very basic definition, okay? And sometimes uh, people will ask, um, but the person only got hit once, okay? But that does not mean there is no pattern um, because hitting is not the only way somebody can show power. Right, um, there might have been a pattern of controlling before this, um, maybe verbally, you know, uh, emotionally, and things like that. So, uh, I think that's something that we should keep in mind. Okay, um, next. So, I wanted to share this video with you guys, but uh, May said that it wasn't very clear when we tried to test it earlier. So, um, maybe I can give you a rough big breakdown. Um, or May, do you think we should test it out with them or we should just 
what do you think? I, I give it to you guys. I think I'll just I, share the link. Yeah, I think just share because it's just very muffled. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's very muffled. We tried study very hard, but unfortunately. Um, it's a really great video. Um, I urge all of y'all to watch it. Um, I also want to give y'all uh, some trigger warnings. There is a lot of... Um, there's a lot of violence happening in the video. Yeah, they talk about a lot of the violence that occurred to them. So um, if you feel upset and uh, and feel like you're triggered, uh, please stop and you know um, get support. You know, talk to a friend, talk to your spouse, whoever may be your person, lah. Okay. Uh, maybe I can give you an example of the lady on screen now. Her name is Krishna. Okay. Um, Krishna is one of our WAO survivors. She. Um, uh, her story starts off where um, she was um, uh, raped as a child. Yeah, she was 15 or 16 years old. Um, and when people, when she told someone and they found out, they uh, made her marry her rapist. Yeah. So once that marriage happened, um, Krishna went into um, obviously the rapist's home and she experienced further domestic violence there. Yeah, um, the her rapist told her that he married her out of revenge because she went and reported him. Um, she was abused by her father-in-law, her mother-in-law, and um, her spouse at that time. Okay, um, Krishna was very afraid, so she finally managed to leave. When she left, um, her spouse who um, I guess was part of uh, a gang or something, um, used to send people to follow her and stalk her. Yeah, uh, So they used to follow her to her house uh, and things like that. So one day, while Krishna was leaving from work, um, two men on a motorcycle uh, beat her up. Yeah, Beat her up really badly and uh, she lost her thumb. She lost her thumb. And uh, obviously, she made a police report after that. Yeah. So uh, these two people were sent by her ex-husband, lah, because um, he felt really upset that she left him. Okay. Uh, now, after that, after Krishna uh, left the house, um, she found a space of her own. She made a police report. Her spouse now is separated from her. She applied for. She applied for an uh, IPO many times, uh, but the IPO, uh, I will explain further what is an IPO, but the IPO was never followed. So an IPO works like a restraining order. Um, it tells the, the perpetrator, look, you cannot come near this person, you cannot come near the children, you cannot come around this area. But there was no enforcement of the IPO. Yeah, so it wasn't taken seriously, uh, which, was, which was what led to Krishna being beaten lah, again. Uh, at her workplace. Uh, she made a police report and she uh, is doing well now and she's safe. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the stories that um, that WAO has helped. Yeah. She's gone through a really difficult process. Um, and this is um, a, a really a basic example of what a lot of survivors go through. Um, it's a very difficult uh, and painful process often. Yeah, our criminal justice process. Um, okay, so I just want to talk about the Domestic Violence Act. I think um, based off Krishna's story, uh, we can pull a few things, yeah? So the Domestic Violence Act, um, we talk about 
who is the perpetrator and who is the victim, right? Um, I think it's important we understand the basis of uh, the law so that we understand how it can be applied, okay? So the perpetrator uh, can be one person, like, like in Krishna's case, can be her, her ex-husband uh, or her, or her in-laws, yeah? Um, and it also can be a third party. If you remember, um, when Krishna was beat up at her workplace, uh, her ex-husband sent two other people to hit her, right? So even that is covered under the, uncovered under the Domestic Violence Act. I think that is an important point to note, yeah? Now, um, the victims can be a spouse or ex-spouse, yeah? Um, can be a child or any incapacitated adult or any other family member, all right? So the Domestic Violence Act is gender neutral. It applies to all forms of violence within the family. Okay, so we often think when, when um, we think about domestic violence, we always think about husband and wife, but that's not necessarily the case. There is also a high number of elder abuse cases in Malaysia, where um, maybe the nephew or or the son or the daughter is uh, committing violence against someone who is elderly uh, and who is unable to speak up for themselves. Okay, um, is this clear? I hope it is. If not, please let me know. Right? Um, am I going too fast? Everyone okay? Okay, great. So, under the DVA, we have this really amazing uh, tool that we can use so that survivors can protect themselves. Right? So, we have your emergency protection order, interim protection order, your IPO, okay, and your PO. So, we have EPO, IPO, and PO. Now, the emergency protection order is something new. Okay, um, it, it was introduced, I think, just last year or the year before, All right? So let me go through the difference between these protections uh, for y'all. So that, I think this is good information to have, yeah? So now, um, emergency protection order. Um, I hope this is a helpful graph. I, I, find, I find it very helpful, <laughs> okay? The emergency protection order um, lasts for seven days, okay? Now, in these seven days, the EPO can be applied at any time. Can you see at the bottom here? There's the police report, investigation papers, open charge case, case classified, and then to court, right? There's this long period and process of uh, what the survivor goes through, okay? So your EPO can be applied at any point in this process. You don't need to make a police report, okay? The EPO can be applied if there is a threat of violence or violence has already occurred. Okay, you can call uh, Talian Kasi. Um, I think May mentioned it. She said KPWKM's line. So KPWKM's line is Talian Kasi. It's 1599. Okay, um, call and apply and JKM itself can issue this EPO. All right, then we have your IPO. Your IPO is your interim protection order. For this, you must make a police report and the police report must state that you are making this police report to apply for an IPO. Okay, um, can you see the interim process protection order um, is from the investigation papers are open to when the case is charged, yeah? So at this point in time, your IPO functions, okay? And you need to make a police report and then after the police report, you need to go to JKM to get them to issue um, an IPO, okay? Now, after the case is charged and it goes to court, you can, uh, you can apply to, from the judge a protection order. Okay, this lasts for as long as the court case lasts and maybe um, even longer. 
Okay, the IPO lasts only during the investigation process. Okay, so from when you make the police report and the investigation papers are open to when the case is charged or classified, no further action. All right, I hope that's clear. Okay, so um, the important thing, uh, so how do, how do these pieces of paper help? Because essentially, all these are just pieces of paper, right? Um, all these are just uh, somebody telling the perpetrator, uh, look, you can't do this. How do they actually offer protection, right? So how do they actually offer protection, sorry. So what happens is, let's say you get the EPO already, all right? The EPO is in your hands uh, and uh, JKM has already issued it to you. So what JKM will do is, uh, JKM will issue one to you and one to the police station, to the police officer. The police officer will take this EPO and will serve it to the perpetrator. Okay, the police officer will tell the perpetrator, look, um, this is what you are not supposed to do by law. Okay, the judge is telling you that you cannot come near this person's house. You cannot have contact with them. Um, you must leave the house that you are currently living in uh, and make space for the survivor. Okay, so that these are all the things that you can request for to be put in your protection orders. Okay, um, obviously, this uh, for EPO, it only lasts for seven days. For an IPO, it lasts for the length of period of investigation. Okay, um, that's how when the police officer goes and issues the, EP, the IPO to the perpetrator, there is, um, there is much more seriousness involved, right? When a police officer comes and tells you, look, this is by law, you're not, something you're not supposed to do. Yeah, then the survivor will get a phone number uh, to call if the perpetrator approaches them. So let's say the perpetrator does approach them, the perpetrator will not only be and does some violence, lah, okay? The perpetrator will not only be charged for the violence, the perpetrator will also be charged for uh, breaking the protection order. Yeah, so immediately they will be arrested because it's easier to identify and to investigate the breaking of protection order than it is to an act of violence. So the police officers will arrest them immediately or are supposed to arrest them immediately. Um, unfortunately, in Krishna's case, um, the IPO wasn't enforced. Yeah, so it wasn't taken seriously. Now, enforcement is very a key part of why this process of protection orders work. Any questions so far? Yeah, okay, I continue. Now, um, the big, big question is, okay, the big, big question is, what is the cause of domestic violence? Um, since we have so few, few people, does anybody want to guess? What, or what do they think is the cause of domestic violence? Anyone? Here, um, I think it's power, mostly um, just demonstrating the power that you have over someone. Um, but you know, people go through that in a lot of ways, but um, in this situation, it manifests into a more violent um, situation. At the office, we have sometimes psychopath bosses that mm -hmm. likes to make our life miserable, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I guess the same way sometimes can happen to, you know, individuals at home as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who was that? I, I can't actually see, but um, whoever that was, perfect answer. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. Um, so I think um, you explained it really well. Uh, the cause is power, all right? The power dynamics of that relationship. A lot of the times, can we see in the purple box that it's called stresses? Okay, a lot of the times we tend to 
um, associate stresses to the cause of domestic violence. So what are stresses? Um, substance abuse, um, stress at work, financial pressure. How many of y'all have heard this before, right? Um, that like that he's stressed at work. That's why he came back and he took it out on his wife. Okay? Uh, or um, this person has a substance abuse issue. That's why they came home and acted that way. But the true root cause of the issue is the power dynamics in that relationship. Because um, if this person has, if that person's reaction to, to stress is to physically uh, hit someone, then even if they are stressed at work, they're going to physically hit someone, right? But they don't. They come home and then take it out on their partner because there's an inherent imbalance of power there. Yeah, And they use that power that they have to control and maintain that control over um, the survivor. Okay, so I think you gave a perfect answer. It is power dynamics. That is the root cause. And when we understand that that is the root cause, we will also be able to stop um, victim blaming. You know, um, maybe if this person was a better wife, maybe if this person was doing things the better way, but we are all adults. There is no legitimate reason to use violence um, to tell someone how you're feeling or to express emotion. Okay? Right. Uh, well done. I think this is very uh, a very advanced class. <laughs> okay. So, um, now, abuse occurs in many different forms. Yeah? Um, a lot of the times, we associate only physical abuse with domestic violence. Okay, but that is not the case. It often starts off with psychological violence. Yeah. Um, making that person, making the survivor feel small, making the survivor doubt themselves. Okay. Um, calling the person names. Okay. And more often than not, physical violence often also has psychological impact. Yeah. Uh, because you are scared. Right. Um, so these two come hand in hand. The psych physical and psychological violence. Okay, then there's also social. Um, how many of y'all think about when you were back in uni? Have you do you have friends whose boyfriend don't let them go out? Yeah, so it's a form of control, maintaining control over the survivor. So or don't or don't let the survivor see the family because um, if they go out, if they meet other people, they they are able to tap into outside sources of support. Yeah, so to maintain control, they cut off other systems of support, like friends and family, right? Um, economic. So this is also really more common than people um, expect. Yeah, so economic abuse one um, usually uh, don't give the survivor enough money. Okay, that's the one. That's usually what happens. Two, even if the survivor is making their own money, they take that money away. Yeah. Three, they also take out loans on the name of the survivor. So the survivor, often when they come to WAO, are already super heavily in debt. Yeah, uh, And this is a real serious problem because um, how are you supposed to earn enough money to eat and feed your children um, and also pay off your debt? So what we have started doing now is we go to, um, there's this agency, right? I always forget the name. <laughs> uh, the one where they restructure your finances and things like that and help you plan on how to pay back your loan. So that's what we help. Yes, correct. Yes, that's the one. Okay. So that's what, yes, they're really helpful and that's what the help survivors do. 
yeah and the last one is of course sexual abuse yeah um often than more often than not in our uh, society we think that um, sex is owed in a marriage when that is not the case yeah so in malaysia marital rape is not yet a crime so wa is also pushing for that really hard because um even during in a marriage um consent needs to be obtained yeah so um these are the abuses in all the different forms and more often than not survivors um don't even realize that they are going through abuse because it's been so normalized for them yeah all right uh, everybody clear any questions cool okay so next um who oh i really did this <laughs> okay okay so next um have you uh, if you know anyone um in a really ab uh, abusive or toxic relationship it's more often than not very hard for them to leave yeah um it's 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 we must remember that this person loves the perpetrator you know whether the perpetrator is a spouse whether the perpetrator is a family member mother sister brother father they love this person they don't want to one i can this person or embarrass the person okay two they don't want uh, to get the person in trouble and they don't want the person to be put in jail yeah so it's very hard for them to leave all right um these are many reasons why survivors find it so difficult to leave yeah so subtle and insidious so i was don't even know that they are going through abuse yeah gaslighting this uh, any does everybody know what gaslighting is yeah uh, would you like me to explain okay people i'll just go ahead and explain so gaslighting is um is uh making uh someone question their reality yeah okay so um a good example would be uh, we have had a survivor say that her partner hit her one time because he said the coffee wasn't hot enough yeah so that that is the reason he gave her he told her you are a useless wife i come back from work i am so tired you cannot even make the coffee properly you know and we intern survivors internalize this yeah and then they think oh it is my fault i should have been a better wife maybe i wouldn't have gotten hit you know obviously he's going to hit me because i i i was so terrible so any reasonable person any person outside that situation would be like this is not right isn't it this is not sensible but it it's so hard for the survivor to realize that they are in an abusive situation so i think that's something we must remember yeah uh maybe it's my fault same thing my partner can't possibly be abusive yeah the main one my partner will change yeah obviously they want their partner to change yeah one divorce has so much stigma in our society right uh two they love their partner they want to give them a chance to change they want their partner to become a better person yeah and every time this happens their partner probably says i'm sorry i won't do it again yeah it was just one time remember at the beginning when i talked about the definition of domestic violence um we talked about a pattern right but we must also remember that the pattern doesn't necessarily 
occur in one way. Sometimes the abuse occurs in many different ways. Right? Now, um, the last one is really, really, really important. Danger spikes when survivors try to leave. Okay? Um, there has been research that is shown that when, um, when survivors try to leave, is the most often where they get uh, killed or they get injured. This is because um, we talked about the cause of domestic violence, right? About the power imbalance. So now when the perpetrator loses control over the survivor, what do you think the perpetrator will do? The perpetrator will take more severe methods to control the survivor, right? Because the survivor is trying to leave. So they will use more violence and any way possible to make sure that that doesn't happen. So which is why um, it's more dangerous for the survivor when they try to leave. Yeah. Um, clear? Okay, great. Right. So now we'll go to this so very important uh, part of what we call the cycle of violence. Okay. So we had a survivor that came to WAO and she told us that she realized that she was in an abusive relationship after she saw a poster of the cycle of violence. Yeah. And in that poster, she was like, oh, this is my life. This is what I'm going through. This means my partner is not going to change. Yeah. So the cycle of violence begins with tension building. Yeah. So at first, everything's great, everything's happy, and then tension builds. Now, when tension builds, um, the survivor will feel it, yeah? They'll feel uncomfortable, they will be very careful, they will walk on eggshells, they'll try their very, very best to make sure they don't upset their partner, okay? Or the perpetrator, lah, okay? Now, because of the dynamics of the relationship, it doesn't matter what the survivor does, there will be an explosive incident. Um, like I said just now, one survivor told us that the perpetrator hit her because the coffee wasn't hot enough. So there's no, there's no, there's no way the survivor can predict what will happen and what won't happen. Yeah. Now after this explosive situation, we will go back to the honeymoon period. Okay. Now in this honeymoon period, when when after the explosion happens, what will the perpetrator do? So the perpetrator will do two things. Yeah. Uh, this is usually common. One is apologize. Apologize profusely. Okay. I'm sorry. I will never do it again. Um, you know, I, I'm stressed at work. I am, I was drunk. You know, many other excuses and reasons they will give. They will say, I love you and things like that. So this same perpetrator, the one that I told you the story about the hot coffee. Um, she said during this period, the honeymoon period, her husband was like Shah Rukh Khan romantic you know so we must understand what mental gymnastics that is for a survivor you know at one point this happens and then the next point this person is so amazing yeah and we want this person to be this amazing all the time but it's not going to happen because of the dynamics of the relationship the unequal power dynamics yeah so the second thing the perpetrator will do is gaslight or blame the survivor lah. Okay, uh, like I said earlier, your fault, you're not a good partner, um, you can't even do this right, that right, yeah, um, and things like that. Okay, the same survivor also told us that um, 
the perpetrator used to uh, like basically bully her and call her names and tell her that nobody else would want her because she's so useless and terrible, you know. And very often we internalize that, yeah. Because we love this person, right? We get our sense of validation from our partners. And when our partner says these things to us, um, we internalize it. Okay, so another thing I want to mention about the cycle of violence is that um, often we think it happens regularly, um, maybe one week once or something like that. But that's not usually the case, yeah. It can take months for a cycle to repeat, sometimes years, sometimes months. But it's important that we remember that it is a cycle. Okay, any questions so far? No yeah? questions. No okay. So this is recognize, yeah. So we're talking. We've been talking about the first R, recognize. How to recognize what is domestic violence? Now, um, we want to talk about how to respond. Okay. Um, let's see. A neighbor, a colleague, a friend who's going through this situation. What can we do? How can we help? Yeah. Um, now. So uh, I'm going to teach you all something called psychological first aid, okay? Um, it's quick and easy to remember, and it can, you can apply it in many different settings, okay? Um, now, all this requires is communication and preparation. I think um, preparation is what we're doing today, learning about what the crisis is, learning about what are the services or the support systems we can access, and how we can safely help the survivor okay and good communication is something that we all need to practice so maybe this would be a good time to you know build build on the skills that you already have okay now so um the conditions for psychological first aid okay so let's say um maybe we go off an example um let's say your neighbor is going through domestic violence Okay, and um, you find out she shared the story with you. Lah. The perpetrator is her husband. Um, and she's very scared and she's very nervous. So um, how do you know who, when, and how, and where to run this, run psychological first aid? Okay, so who is your neighbor, the one who's recently experienced something traumatic? Okay, when do you use PFA? At first contact, right? The moment the neighbor starts sharing her story with you. All right. Or let's say the incident happened two weeks ago, but she's just sharing it with you. Same thing. You still can use psychological first aid. All right. Now let's say she's your direct neighbor and she was hanging her clothes while she was sharing you. While uh, and when she was hanging clothes, she started speaking to you. Okay. Where do you think would be the best place for you all to carry out this conversation? Is it possible to invite her over to your house for tea? You know, um, would that be not suspicious? Um, or do you need to quietly have a conversation just where you are, right? So you must, you must, you, you are the best person to judge where is the safest place to have this. Obviously, if you can get a private space, um, a place where she feels calm, that would be the best, lah. okay? So, now, you see at the bottom, I've highlighted in red, who you cannot... You cannot do PFA for people who have life-threatening injuries. So if there's an accident, someone's bleeding really badly, you cannot do PFA. Yeah, immediately call the ambulance, right? Someone who cannot take care of themselves and cannot even take care of their children. So you cannot, you are not an expert, can you cannot 
step in and do this. So you need to call somebody like JKM. All right. Someone who is threatening to hurt themselves or, or threatening to hurt somebody else. Also, you, you cannot step in because it's not your area of expertise. So call the police. Yeah. Um, it's important that we remember when it's best for us to step in and when it's best for us to refer to an expert. Um, and remember that your sense of self is also very important. So you need to be ready to be able to carry out PFA. And if you're not ready, that's okay. Yeah. Um, send, maybe share a number with your neighbor. Let's say your neighbor shares with you and you are going through a lot, let's say at that period of time. Okay. And you feel like I cannot handle this. Um, but what I will do is I will share a number with you for you to call this person. So maybe share WAO's number with her and tell her to call even though um, she doesn't want to take any action, just to call and talk to us. All right? So this is basic for PFA. Look, listen, and link. Okay? So look is check for safety, check for obvious basic uh, urgent needs, check for how distressed they are, whether you need to call an ambulance. Okay? So check for safety. Make sure the perpetrator is not around. Let's say it's your neighbor, Khan, the example I gave you just now. So is the perpetrator at home? If he's not at home, great. Yeah. Does she have any uh, need for urgent medical attention? Let's say she has an, an injury that needs to be looked at and things like that. Okay. So look, that's the first L. Second is listen. Now, when people talk, they just want to share. Yeah. They're sharing. When they are sharing, um, how do you support them? One, keep a, eye, a, a year out for what, what are they worried about? So is she worried about her her husband returning home soon? Uh, so is, is she worried that if he comes back, something is going to happen? Uh, what we want to do at this moment is uh, calm them down emotionally. That's why it's called psychological first aid. Yeah, We need to give immediate support to the person's emotional needs. All right? Link. Now, this is most important. Link this person to people who can help them. Yeah, so if it's domestic violence, it'll be WAO, it'll be JKM, or it'll be the police. Yeah, sometimes people are not ready to take action. Sometimes they just want to share. Okay, so if they just want to share, then your job is to listen. Yeah, um, give them the number or tell them, let's say sometimes it's not safe for them to keep the number or tell them anytime you need the number, it's with me. Yeah, or you can use my phone anytime if you want to call. Um, this is how we help someone who's going through a traumatic incident. Yeah, so look, listen, and link. Any questions? Okay, great. Okay, so how not to respond? Um, I, I know this is like, obviously, but um, I think it's important that we highlight it so that we can also tell other people that, look, this is not the right way for you to react to someone sharing their story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> every time you read a newspaper article uh, about domestic violence, um, and you do read a lot, yeah. Um, think about how many times you read about Istri, Mati, this thing, Ole Swami, and things like that. It's, you read it very often, more often than we should. Okay. Um, she must have provoked him. This is um, this is something that people always say. If she was a better person, a better wife, a better mother, um, if if she's so bad, why she didn't leave? Yeah, your husband did you leave her? Leave so easy one. 
just leave. But there's so many other factors that are going through this person's mind. You don't know that person's situation. You don't know the issues that they are facing. Yeah. How, how, many, of, how many of us have heard this? Um, what were his motives? Why uh, did he beat her? Why? So um, I'll share with you a story that happened to me. I was running a workshop. And during this workshop, we, it was a two-day workshop about responding to gender-based violence yeah in this workshop at the end we do a closing circle and we talk about our feelings yeah um somebody shared that she is currently undergoing domestic violence okay and because of a pre-existing medical condition this person fainted as this person was fainting somebody else asked saya nak tanya kenapa ah suami suami dia pukul dia you know and it it makes it makes the survivor feel like oh it's my fault ah. must there be a reason you know what i mean it 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 insinuates that there is a is it there is a there must be a reason for somebody to hit you yeah when there is no absolutely no good reason at all to hit anyone correct or not <laughs> so i think that's important yeah he's jealous because he loves her yeah so jealousy is a form of control Right? Because when somebody is jealous, you cannot talk to this person, you cannot talk to that person, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, you cannot wear this, you cannot, that, you cannot wear that. Yeah? Um, now, it is a private matter, we shouldn't interfere. Okay. This is very common, right, in Malaysian society. Now, domestic violence is a community issue. Yeah? Um, do you feel, let's say, Domestic violence was happening to your neighbor. Do you feel at peace? Do you feel calm? Are you okay seeing that happen? What about the children involved? Yeah. So it is a community issue. When children see violence happening, they normalize it and then they become perpetrators. Or if they don't become perpetrators, they think that this is normal behavior. This is how adults behave to stress. Yeah. So it's a community issue it will eventually affect the community. All couples fight anyway. They should work things out. Okay, so I want to pause here uh, because I think it's a really important point. Um, what is the difference between abuse and a fight? Does anybody want to try? Just give it a try. It's okay. No? Any takers? <laughs> Any takers? <laughs> Have I put everybody to sleep? I'm so sorry. I'm talking so much. No worries. No? Okay. Right. So I will tell you. <laughs> now, um, we spoke about the cause of domestic violence, right? How it's the power imbalance. Okay? So yeah. when it is... Uh, sorry, did somebody want to share? No. Okay. So when it's a fight... People argue this way, right? They're arguing with each other and they're like that, okay? It might not be a healthy relationship, but it's on equal footing, correct or not? Both of them are arguing with each other, okay? When it's domestic violence, it is one person attacking the other from this way because of the power imbalance, yeah? So this is the person that is getting attacked. This is the person that is attacking. So it's important to remember that this differentiates an argument from abuse. Yeah? Is that clear? 
Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, just I guess uh, let's uh, hold on for a bit. Sure. Um. So we spoke so much about uh what can be done and uh, the ways that we can do or even how we can help. Right. Um. I guess it's just one question in the sense that sometimes not all like because we really. Uh, frame to say that not all domestic abuse is uh, violent. Uh, sorry, not all domestic violence are like physical abuse. It can also be psychological. Physical. It can be words that were spit out at the partner, right? So, so for somebody who it's not physically abused yet, and which eventually it will lead to that, right? When you know when you start with the verbal abuse. So, mm-hmm. how does one as a neighbor try to identify signs or you know pick up some uh, some hints that okay, I think my neighbor might be, uh, in a domestic violence situation. Okay, great question. Um, so you're right. Uh, you just say yelling, right? You don't know whether these people fight with each other like they're yelling or whether that abuse is happening. I think one. Um, the next time you see your neighbor, if you are friendly with them, ask. Just be like, I think okay, ah. Uh, uh, I heard some arguments. Are you okay? Okay. And let's say, you know, um, you don't know your neighbor that well. Okay. And you are hearing um, an argument that is escalating and escalating and escalating. And you are getting worried. Right. I think we all in our hearts feel uneasy when we hear something that's really serious. You can call the police. You know, uh, we can call, tell them, uh, the police parunda, be like, um, I hear a really loud argument. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on. Can you please come and check? Yeah. So, or let's say you don't want to call the police. All right. Um, ring, your, ring your neighbor's doorbell. Ring your neighbor's doorbell. Diffuse the situation, whatever the situation is. Uh, make sure you take into account your own safety. So if you feel safe doing it, um, maybe go with your partner. Yeah, or send your partner to go. Say you need sugar. Okay, ring the doorbell. Be like, hi, sorry, uh, I'm making something. I need sugar. I don't have enough, and I need to use it now. Now, so I can't run to the shop and buy. Can I have some sugar? Because what happens is, one, you diffuse the situation. Okay, uh, from escalating. That's important. Yeah, and two, um, you tell the neighbor then knows that you are listening. Yeah, that people around will take action. Because more often than not, we don't do anything. And when we don't do anything, the perpetrator will be like, nobody cares. Right? It's my, it's, yeah, I will do what I want. So then it will escalate and escalate and escalate. So when people know that things, that people, other people are going to get involved, other people are going to take action, um, it will temper the situation. Yeah? And then, when you can, when you see your 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 neighbor alone, she's hanging clothes, you are you are able to talk to her, talk to her. Just be like, Hi, are you okay? I heard something happened that day. Um, do you wanna share with me? You know? Um, do you need help? Do you want me to help you some way? You know, start the conversation. Right? Um, let's say you are friendly with the neighbor's family. Okay. Um it's I'm giving you so many, so many examples because every situation you need to handle differently, can. So let's say you're friendly with your neighbor and you know her family, okay? Um, if you do know her family, great. Call them. Be like, I heard some arguments happening. Can you please come and check on her? 
yeah and then her family can go and visit unannounced you know so that if she does need an escape route if she does need assistance she can reach out to her family yeah so these are many ways that you can play the role of an active bystander yeah uh, yeah i hope that was helpful yeah 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 you can continue yeah oh okay uh, do you have any other questions Probably later when you... Probably later, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, to answer your question again as well, me. Um, so, how do you support? Okay. Here. Sorry, I have I, a question. Yes. Uh, hi, Abir here. Hi. Yeah, um, just now you were explaining the difference between um, a fight and, 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 and abuse, right? So, yeah. an abuse is seen as only one party attacking the other party. Yeah. But how do you how how do we handle situations where where we choose not to fight back because it's just a waste of an uh, of an energy, and um, is that still considered as an abuse or okay or not? Yeah. So great great question. Um, I think the only person who can evaluate fully and correctly whether it's abuse or not is the survivor themselves. Yeah. So let's say um you don't. You don't want to argue with your partner, lah. I'm going. I'm going to use me as an example, lah. Let's say your partner <laughs> yeah. is like really, really annoying you, and you just don't want to answer. Okay, and he's just like. Eh. So what I would do, what I I know it's pointless answering back. Okay, maybe because your partner is just in that mood today, so you don't want to lie on him. Okay, what you can do, and you so you just keep quiet, right? So mm-hmm. this you still feel on equal footing with your partner. You are not mm. scared of your partner. You are not in fear. Yeah. Right? So you are still on equal ground. You are just choosing to just be like, okay, today I don't want to lie on you. Right? You are making that choice. You are making that choice of, ah, I don't want to lie on this person today. Right? But in situations where it is abuse and where there is a power imbalance, this person does not have the choice to not lie on. Because if okay. they do lie on, okay. things will escalate. Okay. Got it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's a great question, by the way. Thank you. Okay. No worries. Thank you for answering. Okay. So um, these are some of the ways that we can support. Yeah. So um, whether it's your neighbor, colleague, whoever it is, lah. Okay. Um, don't pass judgment. Don't pass judgment is really important because very often, uh, uh, I won't go through one by one because um, I think you guys can see the screen unless you all want me to go through one by one. Yes, no? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I will go I through the important, the, just the important bits because yeah, uh, we're probably running out of time. No time, well. yeah. So I'll go through very quickly. Sorry, I talk a lot. Huh? <laughs> so don't pass judgment. That's really important because nobody wants to come to somebody who's going to say, I told you so. Right? So our job as a friend, as a support system is to maintain that space of non-judgment uh, and safety for that person to come to us to share their feelings. Okay, uh, this is really, really important. It's really key. And of course, check in on your friend from time to time. Let's say if you know they're going through that situation, check in from time to time. Uh, be like, make sure be careful lah, because sometimes perpetrators check the phone. So make it very casual and, you know, not specific. Right? Um, okay, so this, I want to, uh, sorry, I want to highlight this point. Huh? Report it. Okay. So, as a witness, you can also make a police report under the DVA. There is a special section under the DVA saying that if uh, somebody reports 
uh, in good faith, action cannot be taken against them. Yeah, very specifically, it says under the DBA. So you as a witness, as a neighbor, as whoever can report. All right. Now, um, <clears throat> now, so this I also want to highlight the first point. All right. So there is sometimes sexual assault or uh, rape, even if it's domestic violence. I think it's important uh, that we remember this first point. Okay, if there is physical or sexual abuse, um, go to a one-stop crisis center. Okay, the one-stop crisis center is located in public, in public hospitals at the emergency department. Okay, go to emergency, say that this is a domestic violence situation or a sexual assault situation. This also applies for sexual assault, yeah, just so that you know. Um, and they will take you to a specific area the one-stop crisis center that it's meant for all these cases okay why this is important is because at the one-stop crisis center you can make a police report you can call the, the, an ngo to come and help you a social worker you can call jkm right so this is really important because this will factor in into my third point which is a safety plan okay the safety plan for the survivor okay so let's talk about um, a safety plan People, let's say people um, are thinking about leaving, but they're not ready yet. So when they want to leave, what are the things that they need? What is a safety plan? All right. So these are a couple of important points for them to think about. Right. What are the important phone numbers you need to remember? Not put in your phone, yeah? You need to remember. Okay. Um, whether it's WAO whether it's the police, whether it's um, your friend who's going to help you, whether it's your family that you're going to stay with, whatever the situation is, okay? Your purse, your bank card, your money, your driver's license, your IC, all your important documents. If you have children, your children's uh, birth certificates, things like that, okay? Whatever things you need, medication, prescriptions, whatever lah, okay? All the things that are important to you and your immediate needs and your children's immediate needs. Important thing to know is, where will you go next? Okay, are you going to the police station? Are you going to the OSCC? Are you going to the Are you going to a family or a friend's place? Okay, because you top, you totally just lari without tujuan, right? So a safety plan would be good to set up with tujuan. Okay, so this this is the advice you can offer someone. All right, uh, clear. Hi, um, is, everything's clear so far. I just have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, with regards to uh, the previous points about how to support, how to show support, right? Mm -hmm. um, and often, you know, in many cases, abuser, um, abusive partners are not only abusive, but they can also be manipulative. So yes. to the, you know, just to reverse the um, tables on us, you know, us passing judgment that, um, that, you know, partners may be abusive because they're jealous or they love someone, mm -hmm. right? But what if, you know, what if the tables were reverse in a sense that the survivors themselves believe that the partners love them therefore they do not you know they feel reluctant to leave so how do yeah. we you know how do we thread that eyes and making sure in just to make just to reassure them that we're not judging them um mm -hmm. uh but they're also maybe not thinking in the right mind without yeah. making them sound judgmental yeah yeah okay that's a great question. Yeah. I think any person who's had a friend in a relationship like this will understand the frustration that you feel when yes, trying to support this friend, you know, because they just don't seem to see it. Um, I know you're not going to like my answer <laughs> because the only thing we can do is um, talk to them about how you okay, feel. Yeah. 
right? Um, tell them that this is not normal in a relationship. Yeah. Okay. A survivor will only leave when they are ready to leave. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really important to remember. I know it's very frustrating and you're very sakirati so sometimes, you know. It's not the best for them, but it's just a bit hard, yeah. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. I, I understand where you're coming from, you know. Okay. We, many times we have survivors that come into the shelter and then just to go back to the perpetrator. It oh. happens very often. But this, we must understand, is the process that the survivor goes through. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we have to respect Respect that process and respect their decisions. Yeah. So as feminists, we must respect every decision, even though it's bad, right? <laughs> we understand okay. that, that um, she's not making the best call for herself, but everybody makes the best decision that they think is right for their life. Mm-hmm. Correct or not? Okay. So once she's ready, uh, we've had a survivor go in and out of the shelter 10 times, you know, finally on the 10th time she left. Oh, thank finally. God. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, it is part of the process. It is something that friends and family have to be very patient with. Yeah. Um, okay. Our role is to make it easier for them to break out of that cycle of violence because we must understand they are stuck in that, you know, they are really mm-hmm. stuck in that. And we must understand that as a society, we are also, as women, we are taught that um, for our partners to love us, they must possess us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why that, that whole na- narrative of jealousy means they love you and things like that um, is very common. Mm-hmm. So we must understand that they are also a product of our society and our system. So we need to slowly give them that space, you know, okay. share with them about your relationship, how it is not like that. And most people's relationship is not like that. Okay. So anger is really not the, not the answer here. Like more anger isn't the answer. Yeah, definitely, definitely okay. not. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Okay, great question. Um, I think um, hi. 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 Uh, I was, I'm Shashasa. I, I have a question. Okay. And I was wondering, like, in terms of what Abir's question earlier, where you said that um, ultimately only the survivor will be able to, you know, classify whether it's abuse or not. So yes. I was thinking about in terms of marital rape, how, mm-hmm. how do you define and define the lines? Because there are blurred lines where in certain cases where it may be viewed as marital rape and consent is not that clear, where certain partners would just do it because they love the partner. Like that is that considered marital rape or how does that work? Okay, so this is really complex. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, um, and I think again, um, it is it is the survivors um, survivors space to think about what they are feel what they are feeling, whether they gave consent or not. Yeah, um, whether they what is that word in Malaya? Whether they radar. Is it radar? Radar? Is it radar what I'm looking for? Uh, whether they... <laughs> sorry, consent's really complex. Um, okay. So if I understand your question correctly, you are asking what is the line between the partner giving space uh, to sex because they love their partner and they want to satisfy uh, what the partner wants to what is consent and considered rape. Correct? Is that, yes. is, that, yes. is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I think um, when we love someone, right, um, we compromise in a lot of ways, okay? Um, it's up to the survivor to decide whether that is compromise, that you're doing a relationship, or 
whether it's something that is not consensual and that you're doing it because you feel like you have to not because like it is not because you are compromising you understand so let's say when you clean the house um you don't want to hang the clothes um so you compromise with your partner that you do the dishes instead okay um is it a compromise or is it more of you have to do uh you have to hang the clothes because you feel like if you don't hang your clothes then your partner is going to get angry and upset with you do you, do you see the difference right like if you if this person doesn't sleep with their partner um is their partner going to get angry and upset you know or are they doing it because it's a compromise and it's a discussion that is being had yeah did i answer your question is that clear yeah yeah thank you yeah. thank you yeah so i think um also you have to think about um do you feel like you have to do it yeah it's something to think about whether you're compromising or you feel like i have to do all right so this is thank you so much uh, kira for the very very contentful and also very very yes. uh, <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure we're all learning something from here uh, but that you know you just want to set the tone uh, obviously everything that you have shared in your slides um there's this common theme that everything goes back to education um mm-hmm. it's really about how uh, the parents educate their kids and um i know some i don't personally know but i've heard stories where some people uh, especially females when you marry into a family and you know uh it's it's very it's it's a culture thing that you don't come back to your family you stay with your husband's family and so the modern family they will understand and they will help you know things like that but in a more traditional mindset kind of family if the if let's say the wife goes back to the maiden's house goes back to her home uh, looks for the mom for support or help um sometimes the mother or even the parents or even the family they felt that no we don't we don't want to talk about things like that so that's really a culture and an education yeah. issue right so where is wao stand on this and how is wao trying to break this stigma and break this culture of thinking that oh you know because i'm married to that family so um you know then your parents would be like oh let's not i don't want to bother much i don't want to make this such a chaos and things like that so then that's where the victim or the survivor doesn't have that support and so yeah. where is wao's uh, stand on this and how are you are um tackling this kind of issues Hey, that's a great question um i think it's a very large question uh but it's a great question um i think this stems from how we value uh women and girls in society um it starts from there yeah um as children itself uh women are already told and taught that you must sacrifice for your family um you must take on this caretaker's role it is your job so when we grow up we think that we are responsible for all this when in fact in reality all this is shared yeah um when when um when things like this happen when violence like this happens um our society then tends to blame uh the survivor which is usually women lah tends to blame blame women for like um you so 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 much so much difficult uh, you very very troublesome you know why you can't just keep quiet and deal with it 
you know um just manage yeah manage your husband's expectations you know um this is your responsibility this is your job role when when in fact nowadays women are going to work women are doing 8 10 hour days coming home running the household cooking cleaning looking after the children i mean um it is not it is not feasible for one person to be able to handle all this responsibility so on wao side we are starting uh with girls yeah we are working on empowering young girls to take action to take to become advocates for themselves yeah uh we've started this one program it's called girls for goals um it's really amazing it's empowering young girls through sports you know because um sports is a level playing field yeah um we are teaching girls that their bodies belong to them their bodies can do many different things yeah um and uh, their bodies are powerful their minds are powerful and their wants are their wants and needs are legitimate are valid you know um and i think it's very important for parents to do this as well um to tell to to not only teach your girls that look um you have these choices you can make these choices but to also talk to um their boys about how they treat girls you know um wa is uh, is is trying to put as much resource out there as possible uh but obviously ah, tackling gender based violence is a huge part of our work a huge part of our work um and we hope that with more people talking about domestic violence with more people talking about um sexual harassment and sexual assault um it won't be such a taboo people won't constantly be like it's your fault who asked you to wear the short skirt who asked you not to do this who asked you not to do that it's a social stigma thing actually it's, yeah it's really how it's really how um samaritans perceive the problem and yes uh, i think we as malaysian also have that kind of attitude of like I don't want to, you know, it's none of my business. I should stay yes. out of it. And yeah. that is that you know that's that's actually also a a community problem in fact. Yeah. Uh, I want to stay out of it, you know. Um but interestingly Malaysians wants to stay out of things that are next to them but you know very vocal on social media. So, so that <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's really that's really a root problem as well actually, you know, if we think ah, about it. I agree. And I I guess just by um having Lean in Malaysian and also WAO to Uh, normalize the situation normalize yeah. this kind of discussion and i think that's just really the first step that yeah um, i think um that's a great point i think it's also important for employers to step in you know yeah. um talk 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 loudly and talk visibly about your what how you will support survivors um who are within your organization who are going through domestic violence you know yeah. what can you do as yeah. an employee to yeah. help survivors um if i'm not wrong i think in australia they have now set in place domestic violence leave yeah because it's a very complicated process you know um going to court going to the police and our criminal justice system is not an easy thing to go through i urge you all to go and watch the video i will share the link with me yeah. um it will give you and, yeah and yeah it'll give you a small glimpse into what survivors face Yeah. So um continue sorry yes Fazlin 
sorry, I, I just have a question. I'm just wondering, uh, Fazin here, yeah. Because um, just now, uh, throughout the presentation, you mentioned about women being survivors. But I'm just curious whether, are there actually men who who are also victims? Yeah. Because when we talk about power dynamics, it doesn't mean that, you know, a, a woman could also be more powerful, right? I'm just yeah. curious from, you know, what would amount so, uh, from your research on research? Great question. Um, definitely, men are also survivors, you know. Um, and uh, I think now with increasing uh, increasing power dynamics, yeah, like you said, women can also be the one who have more power. Um, and women also can be perpetrators. Um, it's We do have um, uh, men who are survivors, uh, but WAO cannot offer um, support services to these men uh, because... One, we are already overburdened with the number of women that are survivors. Yeah, so I, uh, I can give you some rough percentages if I remember correctly. Um, I think uh, eighty percent of survivors are women, and then twenty percent are men. Uh, but the fifteen percent of those, the perpetrators, are also men. Yeah. Um, so this can mean if whether it's elder elder abuse or you know. Uh, uh, child abuse and things like that, lah. Okay, whatever sort of domestic violence it is, and then the, another five percent is male survivors, where where the perpetrators are women. Um, okay. We unfortunately cannot uh, provide support because we just don't have enough. Yeah, we are barely coping with the amount of cases that we get from survivors that are women. And we cannot, we don't have the space to provide support services for men because you cannot, you cannot provide the same type of service, can? Okay, and then yeah, uh, another thing. Sorry, another yeah. one is uh, just now you mentioned that you want to educate more girls in um, being able to um, understand what is domestic violence and yeah. uh, equip the right uh, defense mechanism and whatnot. But it's just um, something I just want to ask you: whether is it better if we are to educate the men to behave in a certain like manner so that they do not. <laughs> I mean, boys especially. Or is that something that WAO cater more towards girls instead of, yeah? So that's a great question. Uh, I definitely think we need a much more, uh, much more people who can target men in their work. Yeah, in the work that we do. Um, women's Aid Organization is Women's Aid Organization. Yeah, you know? yeah, I understand. So yeah, our, understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. our focus are girls and women. Um, hopefully, one day, um, you know, when we are able to get bigger, we are able to get more funding, we can open a specific section for children's rights, you know. Mm-hmm. And under that, obviously, uh, boys and all that will fall lah. You know, um, I also think it's an interesting question when not just boys, yeah, when we talk about men as well, there are a lot of men who are interested in, you know, when men who we talk about rehabilitation of perpetrators, yeah. Mm. So um, at WAO, we are not, uh, we are not for um, just putting everybody in jail, you know, yes, um, yes, yes. We, 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 we want to focus on rehabilitation and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we cannot provide this rehabilitation service because we need survivors to trust us. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot kulurkan tangan to the survivor at the same time kulurkan tangan to the pelaku. You know, mm-hmm. um, how it's very difficult for the survivor to then trust us. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got 
So um, it would be great if uh, other NGOs, other organizations can come and take on this challenge because it is a challenge. Thank you. I think at the end of, thank you Fazin for your question. And yeah. I think it's, really, it's a very tough fight and it's definitely a very long fight as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think in my opinion is that um, even survivors who are female or even you know people who are in domestic violence as females even they themselves they are not equipped with that kind of um information on how they can protect yeah. themselves so it's very hard that even we you know now i need to take care of the preparation so i think that's that's my opinion that even the the victims or those who are in that position um it, there's still a lot out there that you know we still yeah. haven't been able to identify so it's definitely a long fight and we are so proud of WAO on the work that you guys are all doing Thank uh, you. I know this is a very hot topic and I'm pretty sure all of you still have a lot of questions um, but unfortunately I have to end this session today um, yeah. but don't worry we might plan even further for another yes. session <laughs> that we can discuss even uh, deeper things uh, now that we all have kind of like experts on, yes. <laughs> on this content. so we can ask uh, even more questions in the next session so um, thank you so much Jastira for your time yep. uh, take care and hope to see all of you and yeah have a good weekend bye, bye. everyone bye bye